this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. Lord, we ask as we are sitting in your presence that you begin to show us what your walk with you is like. That we begin to let go of the things that have been hindering us from understanding what a walk in you is. That we walk in our salvation and we walk in your healing as it is never fleeting. And that your word come through and you reach out to your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And so as we begin to step into this message, making sure that you guys see, because the Holy Spirit want to make sure that I get you guys to see. You know, a lot of times we have this desire to be perfect and to walk upright with Christ, but we know that there's many times that things are going to get in our way and we're going to have to battle that within our flesh. As Say and I was looking at the war in Israel, we were seeking to understand what was going on and try to have a better understanding of what we were looking at. And so we end up having a conversation and the Lord took us to Hagar to give us a better understanding of some of the things that we're constantly looking at and what we must deal with within our own personal temples in order to really understand. You know, the war that's over there is still a spiritual war and it's really whose God is really on the throne And what you find as you listen to this message, you will find even in your own personal life that there's some things that you must dethrone in order for God to really truly begin to subdue every area of your life. So let's go forward. I guess for a background, Earlier, well, previ- in, earlier this week and a little bit of the end of last week, I'm in my university classes and in campus, the big thing is like this whole woke thing and accepting everybody and a lot of times the views that I have now differ with other people because they're very much focused on having this woke attitude. And so I'm someone who probably has two friends that are in my age range and in the college realm. And really, I had a few friends at my school, but then they had a walk that I was just like, no, you're saying you're a Christian, but I see the things that you post online. And personally, I don't want to be in that area. So I've kind of just been like writing it with teachers and getting along with them. And in that place, I would go into my classes and I had these two just like random classes I had to take 
one was a religion class and the other one was um, like a Filipino community class. And in those, I had complained to my mom, my sister, my friends, and I'm like, everybody on this campus is either spiritually confused, mentally confused, or sexually confused. And then I began to distance myself because I was like, I don't want to be around you. And looking at them or hearing what they had to say, I would just sit back and I'd be like, hmm, <laughs> I see what's on you and I don't want to be around you. And in a lot of cases, I've been in the place where I would be talking to someone who isn't necessarily walking with God or is tripping up on some things in life. And I'd be like, if you just listened to God, if you just did this, your problems would be solved. And I'd be like, you're just doing too much. And I would be like, you need to fix your anger. You need to fix your pride because I can obviously see it on you. And if you were just walking right, you would be fine. And so I became into this place where I was trying to reach out to people and trying to make these connections, but immediately I saw myself as a higher position because I'm walking with God, but you're not, and I see everything. And a lot of times in campuses, the new trend, I guess, is to wear clothes that just don't look that great and like the style together, it, it's just, me and my friends were just like, I don't know what they're doing. It looks weird. It looks crazy, but I guess it's a style. Okay. And um, then looking to Genesis 16 with Abraham and, well, Abraham and Sarai, uh, before they became Abraham and Sarah, I began to see myself in this righteousness that Abraham ha Abram had and that God had always called him to be a righteous man. But before God had changed his name and set him to be the father of all mankind, he was righteous in his own accord. And during the week, I had gotten convicted by God because of what I was doing. But if you want to bring up Genesis 16. And then just from the top. <laughs> Genesis 16, Sarai and Hagar. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. That's good. In looking at this, God had previously told them that they were going to have a child, but Sarah and her unbelief then acted of her own accord, and she took her unbelief and her pain as, 
I have not given a child in this day and age, and I have a public shame. I have a pain because I haven't had children. Uh, we have been listening to God for this long, and I haven't heard anything. I still can't bear a child. And she took it of her own accord to go give her maid, which was an Egyptian, and at the time, they weren't with God. They were Gentiles. And in Sarah doing this, she had let a host of spirits into her house, a host of pride and jealousy from this woman. She let it into her house, hoping that she can reap the promise of God before it's time. And and Abram, instead of guiding her in a different way and saying we should hold on to God, he then became the spiritual leader and allowed all these spirits to come in. And he took it by his own righteousness to shape. Do you mind if I step in just a little? Because I want to give you guys a little background. And so when you begin to look at Hagar, where does she come from? Do you guys remember where she came from? She is the actual gift that the king gave to Abram because Abraham was in deceit. He was so fearful of his life that he told Sarai, how you say it, uh, that you're my sister. And they went forth into a land not recognizing that that land already had Christ in it. And they went in a place to deceive in order to gain. I want to make sure that you hear. They went in deceiving even though they gained something from their deception. And God, in return, blessed them. But I want to set up the framework so that she can get to the place where you guys need to hear. Many times... There's a waiting game with God. Oh my God, there's a waiting game. (laughs) And in that waiting game, it's never gonna look like what we want. It's never going to become what we desire it to become because God is really looking for you to trust him no matter what. And we are individuals that if we gotta wait too long, we become what? Frustrated. Not only is it that we become frustrated, but we start doing mapping out a plan. I got a plan that I'm going to get this person. I got a plan that I'm going to get this job. I got a plan that I'm going to get something. And then we will go to the most crafty person and to have a discussion with that crafty person in order to get the insight that we need. Okay, and we're gonna tell them the truth. We're gonna give them just enough to get what we need in order to plot our plan. So I wanna make sure that I'm clear on that. And when I say plot our plan, is we're going to be in that position to whereby we're going to overturn everything. But before we get there, I wanna make sure that you understand they have been waiting for years. And everybody around them is talking about them. Some mom with that lady, she can't have kids. That man is so blessed, but that woman, I don't know, he need another one. Their pain was so bad. 
that it grieved them so bad on the inside. And if you've ever been in a place where you've been grieved so bad that every time you think about it, it brings tears and sorrow to your eyes, or, and you're, you're trying not to be moved by it, but you're moved by it, or even if you're in the presence of others and you see them with children and you're looking at it and then you're like looking at the situation and don't let, if like in a promotion state, everybody promote up and you still in the same place and, and then you pissed off because you know they got a better salary than you and you're sitting in that position and you're stressed beyond stress. And so when you're stressed beyond stress, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna find a way. And in that way, I'm going to do something that's beneficial. And so you can see Sarah coming to that place where she's just like, I'm sick and tired of being in this place. I'm going to get me a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I remember at one point, you know, uh, I called Cinnamon, Cinnamon number two, because of the fact that I lost the child before her. And I would be like at the mall, take that baby for me. <laughs> Even though I was joking, it was the great grief that I was sitting under, and it was so heavy that I had a difficult time walking in it to where I remember the doctor said, do you want counseling? And even though I didn't know God, but I heard a voice saying, not so, but I didn't believe it. Right. And a lot of times we hear God in difficult situations, and he says, not so, but we have no faith to believe. Now I can pass it on. Yeah. Verse three. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servants to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So in a lot of situations, I myself will look at something before me, and I say, Okay, God, you told me I might have that. So I'm going to do everything in my power right now to put it right now, to put it in my place right now. And I had wanted to make a connection with these people at my university, but I was doing it in my own way, and I was picking for myself who I wanted to come in my life, that you had to be absolutely spotless because I don't want anything that's not what I need in my life. and. Sarah herself, she put this on herself. She brought someone into her household, but then when she began to see that someone else reaped the gifts of what she was hoping for, she began to be so prideful and so 
full of resentment and jealousy towards her servant that she then cast her out and told her to get out. And Abraham was just like, okay, that's your servant, your problem. That's her kid. <laughs> cast it out yourself. And as I was looking at this part, Sarah had recognized the things that she had brought into the household and still acting upon her own cruelty and her own pride, along with Hagar's pride, she had realized that the things that she brought onto her plate weren't the actual fruition of God. And what we had to recognize in this point is that you can't reap the fruit of God without dying first. You can't reach your hand out and get his promise. You can't reach your hand out and get this promotion and get something if you don't give up your flesh first, and if you don't give up your own desires first. And so a lot of times you'll realize is that when I'm reaching my hand out and I'm stretching my hand out to grab something I thought I could have and do it in my own way, I ended up getting frustrated. So this Filipino community thing, it was the second class and everybody's friends with each other. And I walk in there and I'm like, it's only been one day, one hour. How are you guys all coupled up together? And I'm looking at them, and I'm just like, oh, hi. Yeah. Like, I had to drive an hour to get here. And they talked a little, and they walked away. And I was like, this kid just walked in two seconds ago, and he went up to another one. And now they're cahootling together. And so I just sat there, and I was like, OK, fine. Cool. It's, I don't know what happened, but OK. And so then I go inside, and I sit down, and I like grab a seat. But then the girl next to me, she's just like, uh. <laughs> she's like, okay, I didn't expect you to sit next to me. And I was like, I'm just sitting here because I wanted to sit here. That's your problem if you didn't want to do that. You should have picked a different seat. That's on you. And so then I was in the room, and part of it is about being, um, it's kind of a little bit political based, a little bit of like, we accept all and we do this. And so I would look at everyone and I was just like, I know it's on you. I don't want to be around you. I will keep my seat here. And I sat myself next to a girl that I thought was actually I might get close with. But she was turned the other way. And I was sitting here like, OK, <laughs> I'm just going to look at the presentation. It's fine. I don't get how they made all their friends. And so then that concluded and I ended up leaving. And I was in my car on the way home, and I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then in my other class, it was this religion class, and I would went in there, and I was like, I know definitely that I know so much about this. Half of y'all are spiritually confused and mentally confused and sexually confused. So I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to tell you everything I know. And listening to people, I was just like, OK, I see. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And I would just hear people talking about certain things, and I was just like, that doesn't make sense at all. And then there is this girl, this Catholic girl, and she had a, like a bunch of makeup on her face, but I thought it was a rash, but it was makeup. And then I was like, that, I am not sitting next to that. I'm gonna stay over here. And she had gone up to the instructor, and she was just like, is it okay if I pray to the universe if, um, I believe in God and God is the universe. And he was like, oh, I'm not sure, but it should be fine. 
And I was like, those people are crazy. And I was just sitting here. I'm like, okay, <laughs> got it. All right, cool. And so then I came in and I just started t talking over other people and it became a class about myself. And I was like, well, this part of the Bible actually doesn't mean that. This is talking about like entering the world and entering a, like having understanding sin and understanding what the angels see and things like that. And I began to do this long thing and I was talking over people. And then the teacher ended up saying, I mean, you can talk about it spiritually, but we're here for a historical class. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, you're kidding me. I'm like, I thought we were doing this all together. And I'm like, I see people next to me, the Catholic girl, she's agreeing with me. I'm like, look, she's agreeing with me. And he's like, no. And so then I'm just sitting there looking at him. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like I totally understood what he said. And I ended up leaving the place and I felt just like I didn't do what I needed to do. And for some reason I said all these great things, but I didn't feel great about what I said. And I tried showing myself in front of God and saying, look at everything I said, but then I got to the point where I was like, I'm not gonna talk about this to anyone. I was like, I'm not even gonna tell my mom. I don't even wanna go to you, Lord, about what I did, because I just don't wanna hear about it. <laughs> and so I had been chasing after these connections and relationships, and I was like, okay, in this religion class, maybe there are some sane people in here. And even in that place, I had gotten in my own way thinking that my God was greater than their God, and that the things that I knew was better than the things that they knew, and so I'm gonna have my own way in this, and I'm gonna direct the class in this way, because this teacher doesn't know what he's talking about, and I could do a much better job than him. Um, Genesis 16, verse seven. The angel of the Lord found her by, this, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. That's and good. So... When I was driving home, sometimes I like sitting in quiet because I just don't, I just want to zone out when I drive home. But I was like, you know what? I need to listen to worship music because this is on my head and I need to just like get past myself and I just need to like meet God somewhere. And when I began to look at Sarah, I mean, Hagar, the angel of the Lord, the Holy Spirit had to meet her at a body of living water. She was so filled with pride that she didn't know where she was going. She didn't know where she came from. And she was completely blinded by her actions. And the Holy Spirit came to her at the body of water, which silenced all of the spirits and all of the pride inside of her so that he could meet her so she would understand what he was trying to put forth. And so then, the Lord told Hagar to return. So he told her to repent 
for her pride and for not submitting unto the people above her. And when I was looking at my own situation, I was sitting in the car and I was just like, I'm gonna worship. I don't know what's gonna come out of this. And I was like, you know what? And so I came to God and I was like, well, I repent for this, I'm sorry for this. I probably shouldn't have done this. And I was like, yeah, I was prideful in that moment. And I still had no idea what I had done in the two classes. Cause I, I was just like, okay. I'm what's wrong with that like I was showing forth I was like I was showing your glory right and I began to like say sorry for all these other little things and then all of a sudden he comes down like really hard and I'm like oh my gosh I'm being convicted right now and this ended up being a 10-15 minute long thing that he's like pouring out of me and the first thing he says is who gave you this crown of righteousness? And he began to go on and say, who gave you the authority to decide what needs to be in your place? Who gave you th this righteousness that deems you higher than others? And then he said, the reason that you're not making friends with people is not because you're just not in the right places. And it's not because that you are so filled with God that other evil spirits want to run away from you. And he said that you're so focused on this, bringing this wrath of God and trying to show to people their wrong walks in life and that they need to, if they actually walked in God, they would be much better. And if things were going right in the situation, it would be much better. And he had been explaining to me that everything that I was reaching forward for I was doing it out of my own flesh, and none of the things that I thought was with him was actually involving him. I didn't go to him asking about, oh, should I say this in this class? I didn't go to him and I asked, should I actually join this thing in the first place? And should I separate myself from other people because they don't have your spirit? Or should I actually convict people and judge them? because they're not walking right, because I need to keep myself and my salvation clean and not have whatever that is in my space. And he had met me at this place where all I could do was just sit and just be like, oh, my bad. And as he was pouring out, he was saying that when you act out of your own righteousness, your self-righteousness, it is not my righteousness. And he said, related to Abram, that Abram acted out of his own righteousness before I had given, the, given him the title of a righteous man. And that everything in his plate that he was crafting on his own was not directly including me in it. Him and Sarah had never included him and say, Lord, is this how we should go about producing a child? Should we welcome this woman into our house to, perceive, uh, to conceive a child for us. They had never included him in any of that. And so a lot of times we are in places where there are people who are not like us and we're trying to push things forward and get a promotion into whatever area that for me it was making connections. But I had never included him in on who I was gonna make the connections with. I had secluded myself 
because I thought of what was better for me and how I wanted this now, not realizing that the people who I'm judging are the people that I'm actually supposed to be connecting with. And that the people who I, in my head, spiritually, sexually, and mentally confused, is exactly where I was three years ago. And that I was in the same exact boat as them. And he had came to me and he said, who was there for you when you were worshiping these other idols? I was here patient and waiting this whole time, sitting by your side and giving you the same patience and the same love and same forgiveness. And the people around you are giving you the same patience, love and forgiveness, but who gave you the right to cast that these other people shouldn't? Don't you understand that the same walk that they are in, you were in just before? And there is a reason you were in that walk because what you're thinking is your promotion is not what I have for you and that I have a greater promotion for you if you would just let go and let go of this righteousness and let go of this fate, this flesh that you have and actually die into yourself so that my fruit can actually proceed. And Sarai, she literally reaped the fruit of her own labor. It might have not been through her, but it is of her own unbelief and her own idea that she needs to put something forth to honor God and to glorify him in her own space that she ended up reaping a son that wasn't of the promise, that wasn't supposed to come from her lineage. And in this place, I was like, okay. And I called my mom immediately. I was like, oh my God, I got convicted. And I understand why my neck was hurting because during those three days, my neck was hurting. And I was like, maybe it's pride, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just not sitting up straight or something. And I don't know, it's probably not my spine. I don't, I'm fine, I'm okay. And then I began to worry like, oh my God, did I like let on a spirit of Leviathan? Did I take on more pride that I was just released from? And then I was going back and forth and I had called my mom and I was like, oh my gosh. I got convicted, my neck was hurting, not because I wasn't sitting up straight, but because I was prideful and trying to do things my own way. And then I'm lonely just because I didn't want to be around people. And that I don't have friends because I judged everyone and pushed them out. And I was like, okay. And then I guess I can't keep walking in this wrath of God. And now I need to walk in, oh, it's loving and forgiving and present people in a nice way when normally I don't present myself in a nice way and I'm like, ugh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Which probably explains the position I've been in. Um, Can I pause you for just a second? I wanna pause you for just a second because I wanna show a piece because I think if you could hear what Saya Sam getting ready to say cinnamon. What Saya is saying, you sent me that stuff on Tommy. Bring that up. Give it to him so he can bring that up because I really need you guys to understand what's going forth in the nations. Because it's the same identical thing that Saya's speaking of, but she's speaking of it in a different term. And so I need you guys to see and understand what's really happening so that 
you can understand how you play a part in not bringing forth your own desires and that you allow God's desires to come forward in you. God is patient. And he's going to take all the time. I'm going to say it to you. He's going to take all the time he needs to bring forth what he desires. And no matter how much you're saying it needs to go forward right now, God's still patient. Because he's trying to work something on the inside of you to get you to a place that you can become what he needs you to be, not what you want to be. And so if you can understand what he's really saying, you know, you could have all the great plans, you can map out everything in the world, but still, at the end of the day, you can't bring nothing forward. And if you do bring it forward, it's going to be limited. And, and what you may bring forward may work against you. Because in this particular situation, what she brought forth worked against her. She was trying to get a child and, and, and to possess somebody else's child, but she went about it the whole, a whole different way. And, and never even consented with the woman to, t can I have the baby? She never asked for it. She just said, go in, have a child with this person, and, and in return here. And so in her eyes, it's going to be mine. She's the surrogate mother, but she was never asked to be the surrogate mother. And they brought her into their own mess. Right. Hopefully you guys get it. Yeah. Because when you bring others into your mess, you, you're accountable for that. Yeah. And so we got a war that's going on in a nation because of this very situation. <clears throat> you got a whole nation fighting because of this situation. You can figure that one out now. You can teach from that. Yeah, do you have it? But I don't know if you can put it on the screen. No, because it's on Instagram. Oh, okay. So they'll just have to hear it. Hi everybody, just waiting for you all to, to uh, come in. I'm just skipping. Yes, and just to show you because we've been praying, praying, praying for the peace of Jerusalem and you may think your prayers aren't working, but I just want to, I want you to see this. So maybe you should see it instead. Maybe my words won't, won't say it enough. But Israel's denied this attack. Blaming Israel for self-inflicted rocket accidents. And as we've been reporting, Hamas rockets are built in garages, jerry-rigged from water pipes, and 20% miss their target. But the information war is critical to Israel's enemies. These enemies don't have open societies, so lies are highly effective. So basically, what just happened, I, I wish I could, could just go watch yourself. I, I can't find the exact place. Basically, what just happened is a, a missile went up, <clears throat> intended for Israel, and came back down, landing on that hospital. And they are blaming Israel for that attack. We're in not just a war of weapons, we're in a war of words. This is an information 
day that we're living in right now. And I want to warn you all as the church that our prayers are so crucial to what happens next. But look at what the scripture says. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you'll condemn. And the Bible says the gallows that they build for you, they build for themselves. The ditch that they plant for you, they are planting for themselves. God is turning the weapons of the enemy upon the enemy's head. And I want to tell all of you watching today prophetically what actually is going on so every single one of us can begin to pray. Because there's some very it's so important that you see that even in Israel, God is on the throne. And especially in your life, he's on the throne. And so everything that is intended for your demise, God is literally saying he's making it for your good. But the only way he can make it for your good is that you stop planning. And you stop trying to work things yourself. And you stop trying to do it yourself. And you stop trying, uh, being in the position to whereby you're seeing those around you as not beneficial. God looks to graft all in. God looks to bring everybody in. It's not about where they're walking, what sin is on them. It's about what he can do. And God wants us to be a people, a nation that seeks after the lost to restore and bring them into the right place. So what you hear was a bomb that went off. It didn't take flight to get to the place that it should have went. And it devastated and destroyed the enemy's own uh, court. And so they blamed them for a malfunction of a bomb. Okay, but as you listen to this gentleman, he's going to tell you that these are sisters and brothers fighting. And what did it start with Abram and Sarah? Do you guys see it? It started with one person causing someone else to come into a picture unbeknownst to her. And in her coming into the picture, she has no clue. And now her whole lineage is subject to this. sad Christians, sad believers. I've not seen, by the way, so much anti-Semitism among Christians than I have seen in the day we're living in today. Christians are writing to me angry. They're saying, how dare you support Israel? Don't you know what they've done? Don't you know that they've outlawed Christianity? Don't you know they don't care about Christians? Don't you know that Netanyahu's a bad person? Don't they know that in Tel Aviv there's LGBTQ going on? Well, let me just tell you something to break a little bit of your hypocrisy. When when planes flew into the September 11, uh, into the 20th, towers none of us said well we're just not going to support we, we, we're going to support uh, 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 al-qaeda because america's atrocities america's record around the world america pillaging villages america doing what it's doing no we can be against what people do 
and simultaneously against the, the atrocious attacks at the same time. Just because we support Israel doesn't mean we support everything Israel does. Just because we support America during its travesty doesn't mean we support everything did you guys get that? Just because we support, that doesn't mean we support everything people do, does. And so we still have to see them as body of Christ. And we cannot judge them based on what they're doing. And so that's what Say is telling you in her message. How she set herself up to be that high, proud, and mighty person. And God literally convicted her of her own self-righteousness and caused her to see things from its right lens and start making sure that she is for him and not against him. And when we begin to look at things from our own lens and we don't graft in Christ, then we become against God, even though we're thinking we're carrying out God's plan. We're not carrying out God's plan if it degrades somebody else. If our plan only includes, hear what I'm saying, my own righteousness. Where I'm looking to advance and look down on everybody who didn't advance. When it's what's in it for me and not what's in it for Christ. Go a little bit further. Wake up, oh crazy Christian, and come back to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're not saying we support everything Israel does, nor are we saying we endorse everything Israel does. We're saying that as Bible-believing Christians, the scripture admonishes us to pray, pray, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And when it goes well with them, the Bible says it goes well with us. So wake up, get back to the scripture, get away from your crazy Hebrew Israelite friends and get back to what the Bible says. It's so sad that people don't understand this. You know, I, I put this out as a post because, you know, uh, one, one uh, person decided that they were going to come and, and tell me, you know, Israel's the occupier, and I just want to set the record straight with this stunning statistic that uh, I just came to light, and <clears throat> I posted a picture about it, maybe some of you would have seen that, but there are 22 Arab states, 22 Arab states, there are 52 Muslim states, but there is only one Jewish state, and that's Israel. And Israel does not belong to the Palestinians. Israel does not even belong to the Jews. My dear friend Sid Roth helps us understand that Israel belongs to God, and he has leased the land to the Jewish people. The Bible says, in Isaac shall your seed be called. And so every one of us got to wake up to the hour we find ourselves in today. Why? And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I, every Christian should be praying right now. I have just fled, in case you don't know, I and my wife and my kids have fled a Muslim country. Uh, uh, and some somebody's going to say, hang on, Nigeria's not a Muslim country. 50% uh, of the nation is Muslim. The president of Nigeria is a Muslim. The vice president of Nigeria is a Muslim. They've just broken over 60 years of precedent that if you have a Christian president, you must have a Muslim vice president and vice versa.
I have just fled that nation after a Muslim, Muslim ticket that I prophesied and I warned Nigeria for three years would come into power. I warned them that this would be terrible for Nigeria. The moment that word came to pass and a Muslim president and a Muslim vice president sat upon the presidency of Nigeria, their first uh, their first job in their administration was to arrest my wife and I. And you can see the newspaper articles when you check our names on the BBC News, every kind of news you see, Tomi and Tamar flee Nigeria. We've just left a Nigerian country where Muslims are killing Christians in the north of Nigeria. There are travesties happening that aren't even fully being reported about. I actually believe that Nigeria right now is the Christian martyr capital of the world. I believe it. I've heard so many stories. I've seen so much incontrovertible evidence of this. Um, it's unfortunate that it's not reported as much what's going on right now in Nigeria. Now, I've just left that country. I've, I've just left that country to come here to America. I'm sitting here in America and I'm watching the American church cheer on Palestine. I'm watching the American church say free Palestine. I'm watching the American church. I'm watching not just the American church. I'm even watching the LGBT community shouting free Palestine. I'm watching all of these things and I'm saying American church, wake up, get out of your crazy way and recognize what's actually going on in scripture. First. If you could read the next chunk. So hopefully you guys got wake up because it's not about us, never been about us, never will be about us. And in order for us to see the change, we gotta be about change and we gotta be about understanding really what's going on. Again, as sisters and brothers fighting. And to really understand what's really going on, you have to be close to God. That's why I was saying in your worship, give him honor, give him praise. Because as you give him honor and give him praise, he'll literally tell you what's really going on. He'll tell you what he's doing. He'll tell you about the war. He'll give you great insight. But when I began to look at the war, he did not talk about the war that was over on the other side in Israel. He said, you need to focus on the war that's on you because you can't help them if you can't help yourself. And so your ideas of what your life should look like, you gotta surrender that. You gotta give that to me. Your ideas of what people should look like, you gotta surrender that, and you gotta give that to me. You can't change them, but you don't support the sin, but you support the individual. And that's something that we have a difficult time distinguishing. Oh, if I become a friend of this, then I'm in agreement with this. That doesn't mean you're in agreement with this. Your light is going to cause them to see what's right. If you're navigating through Christ. But if you're seeking your own self and your own desires, then you're going to miss God 100%. Because you're so caught up in you about what your miracles and next venture looks like that you're going to miss 
what he has for you. And so when you're praying, when you're looking for the things of God, Lord, I want to be strategic with you. I want to only be where you're at. I only only go where you want to go. You know, if it's for me to advance in some position or whatever, only open doors that I can influence people for your kingdom. And everything else doesn't matter. Genesis 16, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hands against everyone, and everyone's hands against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord, who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar, Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. That's good. So when I was looking at somewhat the Hebrew translations of this, Sarai had initially cast out zeal. And when we were looking at zeal, it is this eagerness and this pride and this self-righteous pride that comes out and says, I want to go get at it first. And when you're looking at the relationship between Sarai and Hagar, that's what she brought forth in her household. And when you're looking at who this son is, Ishmael, when you look at the Muslim community in Muhammad, he claims to be of direct descendants of Ishmael. And he goes on to follow Ishmael in which the Bible says that he's wild, every man's gonna go against him, and he's gonna go against every man, so you already have this violence that's coming forth. You already have this pride that's coming forth because he's gonna strike his hand against everyone else, and he's going to sit with his brethren, and he's gonna sit in his own self and say, this is the right way, this is my righteous way. And so bringing it into our sphere, Because of Sarah's and Abram's, because of their will and their righteousness, and because of their flesh longing for something to be in their space prematurely and not including God in their space, they have opened up their generation and their lineage to a whole host of spirits that weren't supposed to be there in the first place. And so just by their choices, they had affected generations and a whole lineage to reap the fruit of their own unbelief and reap the fruit of their own self-righteousness. And looking at myself, I was guiding myself of who I needed to talk to and who needed to be in my space. 
not recognizing that I had been excluding a whole host of people from their own deliverance because of the way that I wanted to do it. And just by my choices and not including God in my choices, I had excluded myself from my own reward, from my own promotion, because I would have sought higher in him because I would recognize that all these people that I'm looking at, crazy, would have actually been delivered if I just came with God and came with this love and came with forgiveness. But no, I wanted to cast down hate on everyone and cast down, oh, I'm much better. (laughs) You are not walking right and that's on you. Couldn't be bothered with it. And not realizing that even in my choices, I'm affecting a whole host of people and a whole generation of people and a whole university of people who don't have anyone to look at except for themselves. Thank you. 
don't get your way. It is so important that you stop having these kid-like tantrums when you don't get what you want. It ain't about you. And it ain't gonna make it go no faster. It ain't gonna make it be any easier. It's not gonna make God turn around and say, oh my God, my baby's crying, give her this. It is not going to work. Under no circumstance will it work. And a lot of times you're looking for somebody to tell you what to get out of. You already know what to get out of. You don't need a confirmation. Get out of it. You don't need somebody to tell you that ain't right. It is your choice to choose to be in the place that you're in. And that is the same thing they have. Oh, well, I have sorrow in my heart because of this. Well, say I say, well, I, in return, had no friends. Well, she was pushing away everybody that God was sending in her direction. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're probably doing as well. Pushing away the good ones because you're so clingy to the bad ones. Mm -hmm. Because you're afraid of change. Okay? So it, it is not just in relationship, it's in finances, it's in everything. You're clinging to the bad stuff because you're afraid of the good stuff. I'm scared, I'm scared. Well, that scared is for God to move in. Remember, in your weakness, he is what? Strong. Again, in your weakness, he is what? Strong. No, he's not. In your weakness, you are strong. Because that's the way we say it. I'm strong in my weakness. No, why? Because I'm going to make a decision that's going to benefit me, myself, and I. And I'm going to leave out God. Oh, my God. Yes. God reminds me of a story, and I'll give it back to you. God reminds me of a story. <laughs> uh, and I shared this with some of you guys years and years ago. Uh, I wanted a VP position. And I wanted that VP position with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. <laughs> and I went to an interview. And I was two seconds from the VP position. But God had literally told me that I'm taking you out of banking and I'm closing that door because I want you somewhere else. I was sitting in front of the person, and I knew I wasn't supposed to be in that interview, but I wanted to be in that interview anyway. I'm in an interview, and the lady starts arguing with me. And because I know so much about baby, and she didn't know what she was talking about, and I literally trumped her and said, no, this is this. I hadn't got the job. She went to the top of HR and said, black, put a black mark on her thing, that she cannot come into this organization. I got five other interviews for the same position, and every door was closed. What God literally, I said to God, this is what I said to God, loud and clear to him. I said, I'm tired of waiting. I don't want to be in this frustrating place anymore. I, I'm going to find a job that I want, and when I get to it, I ain't going to talk about you. Okay, I did it loud and clear to him. He shut down every single opportunity that I had for banking. And guess what? When I surrendered, he sent me where your kid was. 
because that was his will for me to go after his servant. It wasn't my will. I would have never met to kid if I was my own direction. Okay, so you can't tell God what to do. Hopefully you guys got it. He said trust was in me. So when the angel of the Lord came to Hagar, he literally told her to go back to where she came and to submit herself unto Abram and Sarai. And literally that, he had called me to repent when I was sitting there and he was pouring out all this and talking about how I was so stuck up in myself. And he said, repent for your pride, and he began to list of things that I needed to repent. And then he literally told me, he said, say its name. And in myself, I was like, oh no, I know, I know what this is. <laughs> and I was like, I thought I didn't have that. And he said, say its name and cast it out and look to me. And so then, I then in that moment, I was following his words and I said the name Leviathan, which is the spirit of pride, and I cast it out of my life. And in that place, I was looking at this neck pain and I was looking at like the things that were in my place. And I was so scared of it being this spirit that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm set free from that. And I was so scared of it being in my place that I didn't even want to present it to the Lord. And he had called me to say its name and cast it out because this was the thing that started building on me. And as soon as I did it, there was this l pressure that lifted off and then my neck stopped hurting and this random back pain that I had stopped hurting. And that was the only moment where I finally looked to him and I was like, I'm going to ask you what this is. What is this that I'm dealing with? And so then, 13 years later, so it had been a long time since Abram had this child, and they were still looking to the Lord, and he was now 99 years old, still waiting for this promise, and the first thing that the Lord does when he presents himself is, come to me blameless, and walk with me. And so when I was looking at come to me blameless, a lot of times we carry our salvation and our healing in our hands and we're so scared that it's going to slip out and it's like a cup, it's water in your hands and it's like sleeping through the crevices in your fingers. And we're doing this walk and we're like, okay, God, I'm gonna keep myself right with you and anything that's not supposed to be in my place, I'm gonna push it out. And I began to be so fearful that it was slipping out that I began to not even look to him, but try to look to myself that I'm doing things right and I'm keeping this idea of how I'm supposed to be walking with God without even walking with him. And what was he had told me was to fear the Lord and to fear him. And then it led me to look up the word fear 
And fear means to be in awe and to be in constant awe of the Lord and constant worship of the Lord. But I was too focused on the salvation that I had, like, oh, I can't have any problems, I can't slip up. And every time I would go to the Lord, I would, be sit, I would sit there and I would repent for every single little thing that I thought was in my space. Sometimes it was just stress and just fleshly things and not even a spiritual battle, but I was casting things out that weren't even there. And I was walking in this place where I just had basic human things on my plate, but I thought I was going against a whole host of enemies and a whole host of spirits just because I was so focused on myself and so focused on doing things the right way in my own sense. And so then I began to not be in awe and be in fear of the Lord, but I began to be in fear of someone who would take away the salvation for me. I began to be in fear of the enemy who would strip me away of everything that he had given me. And then I began to be in fear of the enemy. And I began to end up worshiping the enemy by giving my fear to him when the Lord had re redirected me to just walk with him. And I had been in a place where I was just sitting here and I was about to go into worship but I was like Lord I repent for this I repent for that I repent for all of these things I recognize that I had pride and I did all of these things and I'm sorry and I thought I was going on this path but I ended up being two steps behind and I never caught up to what you're saying and he had said to me don't you realize the things that I'm passing out to my people are for you as the same and that you haven't gotten over this and that you're still dwelling in this place and I was like beating myself up in front of him. I didn't even want to understand what he was doing. I just wanted to bask on everything that I was doing wrong and everything that I was stuck in. And I began to present myself to him in that way where I was always coming with something that I was doing wrong, always coming with repentance, always coming in this way. When merely, as he said to Abraham, it was walk with me. He said, come as you are and just walk with me. That means I don't have to repent for every single little thing that I've done wrong. Because he knows the state of my heart and he knows what I'm going through so I don't have to continue and act like I'm a new person every time I see him. What aspect of my personality do you choose? Because at one point, my relationship was based on just nothing but repentance. I always wanted to be right. Well, I get that aspect of him. And he's going to constantly drill me in that aspect because that's the part that I'm trying to be perfect. And so that's the only God that I know. But then she's talking about this other loving God that he just said, walk with me. Did you get it? So I'm not in that position if I'm seeking him in my personal time and I'm trying to always clean up and, and get the God of correction because that's the one that I'm, I'm focused on. But we sung all these, the song with all of these different personalities of God. And you're going to have to choose which aspect of God you're going to walk with. I want all of them. I don't want the one personality that I have pulled out, and that is the God that always disciplines me. Yeah. And
And this is why we have such issues in the body because we're always looking for the Christ that disciplines. And when he said to come walk with him, it was getting over my flesh and it was getting over my righteousness. So when I come to him and I come with a repentful and a mournful heart of shame and guilt, that's me acting in my flesh. That's not me bringing everything that I have to present towards him. That's not me surrendering towards him. That's me acting of my own accord to present myself in the own way that I have. And so when I'm walking with the Lord, I literally had this moment where I physically and I spiritually said, you know what, I'm just going to make the step. And making the step, I didn't even take one moment to repent. I didn't take one moment to lay everything down and say, here you go, and I'm sorry, I did this wrong. I literally took a step and I said, what did you do today, Lord? And I, at other times, I said, where are you? What are you doing? What can you show me? And when I recognized that in the times that I presented myself without this repentance, I received greater deliverance and I received greater revelation than me coming with my own stuff that I think is baggage. And so a lot of times we'll be stuck in our flesh thinking that we need to fix all these other things and cast out these spirits that you think you're dealing with, but really it's just yourself. And you're trying to protect yourself from the enemy but really you're just dealing with yourself and the things that you think are in your space is because you can't get over yourself. It's not that you have a spirit coming over you. It's not that this person next to you is gonna jump onto you and then now you're gonna have to deal with this. What he's literally saying is that you need to step and walk with me and that when you present yourself toward, to me, ask what's going on in my day. Ask me where I am. And when I had done that, I had seen him on top of the world and I had seen him shift and he kept shifting the tables and he kept shifting everything around and it's just, I saw this weird gold little string that just kept wrapping around the world and it wrapped into me and wrapped around my ears and wrapped around my lips and what I recognize is that I can't hold on to my salvation in my hands thinking this is a gift that's going to fall away if I, don't, if I stray away or do something wrong, that you have to actually walk in it. And that by walking in it, you give no chances for the enemy to come take it from you. But you sitting in this place trying to hold on to it and looking to God and saying, I repent for this, or trying to make things your own way, you're giving it up for free grabs. You're relinquishing it as you do that. Because you're so scared of it fleeting that you're already letting it fall out. But when you walk in him and you're saying, Lord, I'm here, what do you have for me to do, do today? Who shall I go talk to? Who shall you lead me into the room with? I recognize that I came into that class the next day, the next week, and that whole week I was so nervous and it, the class doesn't matter at all. I could fail it and I would be fine, but I was so nervous because of the way I presented myself before. And I sat there and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna try to make this about myself. 
I'm just going to sit and listen. And what I found myself doing is actually reaching out to people. And there's a girl that came in, the same Catholic girl that came in late. She was sitting there alone, and I came up to her out of my group, and I started adding her into the conversation and helping her get along. And then in my own group, I began to recognize that there were others among me who had the same God as me. And it wasn't just me who had this great prophetic word that if I gave them the room to speak, I would find myself more at home than I established myself in the beginning. And so when I left that place, I felt like there was a pressure lifted off of me of this guilt that I had done wrong the first time and that the things that I put into the conversation and I uh, contributed, I felt that I had reaped more and I had shown more of a loving person of who I am. I've shown more of this grace and I've shown more of a person who might be a good friend and not just tell you everything you're doing wrong in your life and you need to fix it. Because I do do that with my friends still. <laughs> the ones that I've had for a while, they get used to it, where I always say things. And he began to welcome people into my space. And I wasn't looking at the other people in the class who were looking for a God, who were looking for understanding of their beliefs and religion. But I began to make this collaborative space and I had welcomed the spirit of God in, and I literally, I walked in the room, and a lot of times when you walk into places, if he is with you, you're literally holding his hand walking into the room where you don't have any excuse but to say, this is my Lord. And so I had walked into that place, and people weren't looking at me like I was a crazy lady talking all this random stuff and talking about these spirits that none of them have no idea about it. And they're looking at me like, why is she talking about demons if we're talking about Genesis? I don't get it. And then they began to look at me. And the ones who I said looked crazy, didn't dress right, and spiritually, mentally, sexually confused, they had a softer face as they looked upon me. And they didn't look at me as they were hearkened and like I was looking at them like, what the heck are you doing? And the atmosphere of the place began to shift and I recognized by me let going of what I thought things were supposed to be like and I literally walked into the room with God and I held his hand and I walked into the room and I continued walking my life with him that when I entered these places and I just said, this is my Lord, he ended up changing things where I barely had to speak. And the things that were coming out of people, I could recognize were of him. And not just me trying to bring this wrathful God on everyone and say, like, my God destroys cities if you don't follow him and you're gonna die if you don't do this. Not really like that, but... <laughs> um, you could go down to the 17. Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may take by... 
that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be, be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and king shall come from you. That's good. After 13 long years, Abraham finally came to God without his righteous way. And God had shifted and changed his name into Abraham and redefined what his righteousness was. He redefined it into a righteousness with him. And he ultimately promoted Abraham past the place where he was seeking to get fruit from. And he said he was going to be with the multitude of fruit and that his actions would be fruitful in him. And so... When you finally walk with the Lord and you let go of this guilt and let go of this idea of how you're supposed to present yourself towards him and how you're supposed to look and what your life is supposed to look out towards other people and the way that you say, okay, God, I want my image and everything to look like you and I want everything to show your glory and then you end up taking on your own crown of righteousness and this idea that you have and that when he finally says, just walk with me, you take everything that you are because he's not expecting you to be a perfect person. He's not expecting you to present yourself, even though you've sat here so long and you've understand his word for so long. And those times where you're like, OK, I'm slipping up in this moment, but I should have known. And so, Lord, I'm sorry, but I should have known I should have did this. And I I've heard you a million times, but I'm still in this place. And then he's literally saying, just walk with me. He makes it so simple for you to understand that his promotion is in him and all you have to do is walk with him. He's not expecting you to change nations and change the hearts of everyone and display this glory inside of your head of what he looks like. He's literally just saying, present yourself before me. And that when you're worshiping, you just present yourself before me. And that everything you are, you don't have to sit and you, have to, you don't have to repent for every single little thing and cast out every single little thing that you think is in your space, but it's literally just you being stuck in you. He says, just come to me and just ask him, what is he doing today? Where are you? And what do you have for me? He says, let my people hear this. There are things in your path that you have been trying to mold and shape into your favor. You have heard my word and you have heeded it in a sense that you are now trying to enact it upon yourselves. And that as you enact it upon yourselves, you're not realizing that you're pushing back the presence of me and you're pushing back the wards that I have for you in heaven. And that when I say walk with me, when I call unto you, I am not looking for just your flesh. I'm looking for your spirit to sit and reside with me. He says, I understand the heart that you have. 
And I understand the trials that you go through and that the heart you have is looking for me, but ends up shifting and moving things in ways that I did not call them to be. I understand that you have encountered things where you feel so much guilt and so much disappointment that you fear to even present it for, before me. You fear to even be corrected, but you're looking for correction in every single place of your life to feel this wrath of God and feel this anger and feel this zeal. But you must remember that my heart and my presence is ultimately for love. And everything I will present before you must be done with me first. And so you must physically and spiritually walk with me. You must physically and spiritually welcome me into the room. The way you look, the way you present yourself, the conversations that you have do not glorify me. They are not the things that bring people to the knees. It's my presence that you welcome that brings people to their knees. So he literally says, ask what I'm doing today. Ask what I'm doing every day. I will unveil to you my military plans. I will reveal to you my healing of the sick. I will reveal to you the shifts that I have made on this planet. I will reveal to you the shifts that I'm making in you. He just says, walk with me. Be in unison with me. Leave it behind and walk with me. Mike, I'm sure you walked into Bible study and said, wow, that's a small little gathering of chairs. What is this? And then all of a sudden you heard these people praying in this crazy language. And that's their heavenly language. The Bible speaks of us having another language uh, that he gives each and every one of us. And it helps us not to be distracted when it comes to times of prayer. And it helps us to focus in, but it also relieves the stress that's on us. It helps us to get into his presence. But the reason why I'm saying this to you is because a lot of times you'll hear us, you know, operate from that standpoint. And when you're ready for yours, someone in this room will help you to, to really walk in that place because I'll say to you, for myself, I was in and out of Christ. And the main reason I was in and out of Christ because I never embraced the Holy Spirit who is the comforter, the counselor, the advocate, and he stands by us. So he's constantly speaking to us. 
and our inner man to help us stand strong in the things of Christ because we can't do it on our own. And so we need the help of God to get to the place that we desire. I could never, ever be here today if it wasn't for the Christ that's on the inside of me and the Holy Spirit moving faithfully through me to bring me to the place that he desires. So I'm literally saying that to you, you know, to offer you the Holy Spirit if that's what you're interested in. Uh, but I'm going to say to all the rest of you, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, he's literally saying, Today is a shift in your vessel that you will no longer be in that place where you're judging yourself and assuming that I'm judging you harshly. He said today is a shift that you will no longer look to me to correct something that my love will correct as you continue to embrace me. He says today is also a day that you're surrendering and relinquishing your will. He says all man has fallen short of his glory. There's none that has made it through without falling short. He said that I must say this. When I begin to dive into this story, you know, I've always looked at Abraham as being this righteous man. I didn't realize he slept with a woman outside his own marriage. And he didn't even stand up for it for in, in his household as the husband. He let the woman dictate, go get this woman. You sleep with her and give me a baby. And when he should have basically brought her back into order and brought her back into the rightful position, but when I was looking at this particular story, Holy Spirit literally said, is this not what the first Adam did? And, and, and then as he began to show me that, he says, I pick imperfect people. Get it? That's why I'm here, Mike. That's why you're here, Mike. He picks imperfect people. He ain't picking somebody that's going to do the right thing. He's after the one that do the wrong thing. And then I said, wow, I've been grafted into this awesome kingdom because you know I ain't going to always do the right thing. I am known and prone to do the wrong thing. <laughs> and he's telling me that it's okay. Yeah. And he's telling me that his love will correct the problem. Yeah. So get it? So I can't go back to the Lord, complain about all the stuff I did wrong. Because, can I get you to say something? Can you stand up? Jesus stands in front. Hold your hands out. Just out. And so every time I do wrong, like slapping her on the side of the head, 
The father doesn't see it because Jesus is blocking his view. Get it? Jesus is blocking his view. So Jesus covers the sin of man. And so no matter how much I do something to this one, Jesus is blocking it. So, so when the father speaks to me, I said, I'm sorry, Lord, that I socked her in her head. He's like, I didn't see that. What you talking about? Because Jesus is blocking everything. Exactly. And so he's covering our sins. Do you like see it? He's covering our sins. And he's covering everything that it, it, it could not be seen. I, I can show you a better way of looking at this. Watch this. He covers your wrongdoing. But I love the example because God takes everything that we do. He was like, oh, no. And he had literally run because it was uncomfortable for him to stay in that position. So even in that, God's shield and protection and love always cover. And he's always reaching for you. Now you can look up. So with that, can we stand? And Aaron, because I've been praying throughout the whole service what to say to you, and the Lord says it's your choice. Whenever you're ready to relinquish your will, he says he's standing there. It's still your choice. He said you already know the answer, and you're looking for another answer, and he said you don't need another answer, you know the answer. Like, ooh, is this relationship it? Is this, 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 this it? And he said, you know the answer. So I can't give you a better answer than you already have. I can just be in agreement for change that you're looking for. Because I know you're looking for change. And you're looking for change in people. But it's going to start with you stop judging them. Okay? The story she talked about her on this high pedestal about I'm the righteous person, I'm this... That's what you do to your friends. And the Lord literally says, when you come down off your mountain, you'll be able to navigate and help those who are on theirs. That's all. So you see it, right? Because it's like, 
They did this. They did this. I don't know why this person doing this. And I don't know why this person doing this. And I've been so good to you. And I've been so right to you. And the Lord said, yeah, I hear it. But you have not been good to God. So just come out of your place of righteousness. So that there's no self-justification. Mike, I offer you because I'm getting ready to have them to pray in the spirit for just a second. So you want to pray with us in spirit? Okay, so whenever you're ready. But if everybody can just pray in the, pray in the spirit. I know you're not just ready to, so you, you're not alone, Mike. We got another one. <laughs> And if this message has meant you, your surrender is to God and not to me. Your relationship with, with God. You know, for myself, I'm like, oh my God, you're the God of righteousness. I love the thought that I can come and hang out with you. Lord, take me where you want me to go. Cause me to see the things that you're desiring for me to see. I'm not... Even as you present yourself before him now, don't come with the baggage that you think you need to display. He's saying, I'm here, just look to me. What am I doing? Just look to me because I'll show you greater revelation than what you are looking for. I will show you what's happening with the kingdoms and nations on this planet. And I'll show you the work that I have dwelt inside. I'll give you the discernment to discern between yourself and spiritual battles. I see him on top of the world and shifting the plates. And he's literally looking, where are you? And as you do, I see when it's, whenever you do, that you're taking this step and then you're walking with him and you're above the earth as he's shifting the plates. He says, where is my warrior? I'm not looking for your faults. I'm looking for your walk. 
And if you're still stuck in the place where you can't get over it, he says, cease the thoughts and ask where I am in. Where am I in the room? Looking unto me will get you over the flesh that you're struggling with. I don't need the baggage. I need the gifts that I put inside of you. And so he says, what am I doing today? And in this place of surrender, and as we bask in your presence and leave this building with your presence, with your walk in mind, we all say in Jesus' name, amen. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.